0: Let's Talk podcast guests are invited to share their unique perspectives regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. The ideas expressed in this
1: podcast do not necessarily reflect the practices of Mesquite ISD and are
0: not an endorsement of any particular agenda or viewpoint. Bienvenidos a Let's Talk podcast inspired by
1: Mesquite ISD's leadership and empowerment team, or Let's for short. Our guests include educators, students, and community members sharing their experiences from their perspectives. So let's have a real conversation about embracing our differences and finding common ground with your hosts, Dr. LaDonna Gulley and Ted Madden.
0: Hello, and welcome to the final show of 2021. We've been doing this podcast since August of 2020, so this marks the end of the first semester of our sophomore year, which also makes this episode our final exam, so let's not blow it. (laughs) Dr. Lodana Gully is out today. She will be back in January. Daniel Norwood co-hosted this podcast with me for the first six months. He's filling in today. So we will begin, as we always do, with our introductions. My name is Ted Madden. I produce videos for the school district, and I'm a 48-year-old white man.
2: And I'm Daniel Norwood. I'm the social studies coordinator for the district, and I'm a 39-year-old black man.
1: I'm officially old. I'm Jennifer Motley, and I'm the Director of Federal Programs and Family Support in Mesquite, and I am a -a 56-and-a-half-year-old white woman.
0: You know, once you get past, I don't know what the age is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You stop saying (laughs) half. You stop rounding
1: up. Hey, I earned it. I'm
0: sorry. You know, I wait till (laughs) April 11th, and then, all right, I'm 49 now, but But until then, (laughs) no rounding up. So, uh, I do want to ask, you know, your Director of Federal Programs and Family Support, so someone... A simpleton like me, my follow-up question is, what does that mean? Before we get to that, though, I want to get your educational background, how long you've been in education, and then how you got to where you are today.
1: I am halfway through year 33 in public education. Um, After I graduated from Arizona State, my first teaching job was in Bullhead City, Arizona, and so my classroom of kindergartners were primarily students of casino workers, and then we had some reservation kids that didn't go to the reservation school, but came to our campus, um, and I taught there for three years and then taught in South Phoenix for three years. Um, So the districts I've taught in, I was always at the Title I school in the campuses. Um, When we moved to Texas, I was actually one of the first ESL teachers hired in Garland 20 lots of years ago um, (laughs) because that was just happening in Texas. They were just starting to have those requirements to have ESL and bilingual. Um, And then I moved into administration in Wiley, and then I was in Allen for 12 years, and it's year 13 in Mesquite.
0: How, how good is your Spanish? Not good. <laughs>
1: my kids used to tell people that my mom teaches people how to speak Spanish. And I said, no, that's not really what mommy does. <laughs> I just hire really good people who can teach people how to speak Spanish and English.
2: Yeah, administer a program, right? Yes. Yeah, uh huh. sure. Yeah, so, you know. Bringing you here, I know there's so many of us who, like, we, we know what federal programs, like their power, but there's quite a few folks who, who may not know or understand the power of federal funding. Um, for those who don't, can you explain, you know, what it does, uh, how much schools really rely on it?
1: Well, federal funding allows schools to incorporate programs um, and hire supplemental staff, um, primarily to help our most at-risk students. So right now we're under the Every Student Succeeds Act. So ESSA is the name of all the title programs involved with that. Um, so you have Title I, which primarily in our district goes to the campuses. So all campuses except Vanguard um, are Title I in our district, which means they have at least 40% of their students who are in free or reduced lunch. Um, most of our campuses are well above 75%. So that funding... Um, goes to help students we hire um, additional staff members supplemental materials anything that the campus can do to help meet the needs of those students um, and then title two is our grant for professional learning so we pay some of our um, tech facilitators out of that teks facilitators um, who really go in and provide job embedded professional development for teachers title three is our federal grant that supports english learners um, so Carolina Portillo oversees the program, and then the budget piece of it is out of my office. Um, and Title IV is probably our most innovative um, federal fund, well, before we had s money. Um, and that really provides um, three main things. So a safe learning environment for students, um, kind of used to be the old safe and drug-free school money. Um, and then really looking at the social-emotional learning for students, and supporting staff. So we fund our care clinic. um, It's primarily paid out of Title IV, where we provide counseling to families during the day, and then to teachers, employees in the evenings and on the weekends. And then the clinics open four nights a week for families to come in and get counseling. So that's been the bulk of my work. Um, And then this year, of course, with COVID, we have three huge federal grants, so we have SR1, ESSER SR2, ESSER and SR3, um, and in all total, there is just a little under two hundred million dollars in federal grant money that is housed in my office.
0: So you've been to several different districts, um, but you weren't in this position at different districts. I'm just curious, Mesquite. You mentioned most campuses are seventy five percent or more free and reduced. I would imagine that means that Mesquite ISD gets a lot more money than Highland Park or South Lake Carroll. Is is when you say Title One, Title Two, Title, those are things we apply for as a district and then they if they accept it then Yeah.
1: So they're um they're non competitive grants which means we're not competing with other school districts for that money. Um, We have a certain allocation. Our Title I allocation this year is $12 million. So as long as we apply for it and we apply for it correctly and we continue to expend the money the right way, um, then we get that grant every year. So it's not, we don't submit an application that they use a rubric to score. Um, Pretty much if you submit the grant correctly, then you're going to be approved for the funding.
2: It's interesting. You know, I remember coming into uh, the admin building for the first time and one of the things that struck me and I remember me and Dr. Franklin talked about this was the amount of t-shirts and supplies and all of the things that were like laid out and I remember all the all the admin assistants were walking around and like adding to categorizing finding ways and I thought, man what what work are we doing in here? Right. So Can you explain a little of, of what that was?
1: One of um, the things we do with our Title I funds, um, we're required to set aside funds for our McKinney-Vento students, which are students who are experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and homelessness, as it pertains to that grant, um, can include things like a family who's living in a motel, in a shelter, um, if they're doubled up with another family because they can't afford um, their own housing. So what we do for those students, and it's been fun to watch that develop, is every time they student enrolls, they get a full week's worth of school clothes. Um, and for some of those kids... They've never had brand new shoes or a brand new pair of pants before. Um, and so when I started, we used to go to Walmart every day and buy clothes for kids. And now at the Family Support Center, we're actually able to house all of those clothing needs. So when a student enrolls, we can have clothes to that family um, by the next day. And families who have house fires, we go take the clothes to them that same day if they've lost everything.
0: I think what's got to be really fulfilling for your job and your position is making Daily tangible differences in students' lives. Like you see the work your office does and where that money goes and how it actually helps students.
1: That's the best part. Managing $200 million in spreadsheets and binders is not the best part. um, But seeing how those funds are used to really impact families. Um, And last year when we started providing support to our own employees, um, the feedback was tremendous because we knew our students were struggling but we didn't really realize how our employees were struggling. So dealing with their own issues as a result of the pandemic and then coming to teach every day and working between a virtual platform and in person, um, we started getting calls just saying, I'm on a wait list to get some counseling support and it'll be six months. Can we do anything? So um, that's when we stepped up and said, yeah, well, we're going to take care of our people. So the federal funds allow us to do those things Um that are really driven by what our community and our schools and our employees are dealing with.
0: I'm going to jump in with a a bit of a tangent, but I'm doing a video on the head drum major at Poteet high school. Mm -hmm. And it's, we're going to put it out on our Facebook page, probably the week leading up to Christmas. It's a really nice story. I mean, the, the way this kid has been embraced by the band and how it has helped him get through some really tragic times. He moved with moved into uh, a home with his guardians in Waxahachie. And when I was interviewing his his guardian, she mentioned the McKinney Vento program mm-hmm. and how they would pick him up for school in Waxahachie. And that's just one little thing. But right. to hear that Mes- Mesquite ISD, or there's this program that exists for a kid who's been displaced because of a tragic event, mm-hmm. who can still be with his band family at Poteet, and Mesquite is going to send transportation out to walks a every day to get them. That blew my mind.
1: And we're also able to pay for instrument rental for our band students who are McKinney-Vento. Um, I've taken, we had a girl, I think it was also at Poteet who was running track and her coach called and said, Jennifer, she's so good. She's got so much potential. Colleges are going to look at her, but she's running in her little brother's high tops that are three sizes too small for her. So I actually got to take the student over to, you know, Academy and get her some shoes and I'm trying to gear towards the really sparkly kind of (laughs) because track shoes are fun and she's miss I just I just kind of need a plain pair so um but being able to provide those kind of things so I don't want a student who is living in a motel to look any different or be engaged any differently at the campus so if we can provide whatever it is a band instrument drill team fees something like that um because when they're engaged, they're going to stay. And our graduation rate for our McKinney-Vento students is over at 98%. So kids who are dealing with all of those things at home still are managing to come and finish school. And Mesquite's unique because we have social workers. I have six social workers who directly support students and families. And so in the summer, their best thing is they get to take these kids to college. And oh, we've, you know, I put one young man on a plane to Arizona a couple of years ago, and I called his football coach. He had a full ride for football. And I said, you promised me you're meeting him at the airport. It was like sending my own child with a one-way ticket to Arizona. Yes, right. And the coach said, no, I've got him. He's going to stay with my wife and I until the dorm's open. We will take care of him. So huh. that's the best part
2: of what I do. Yeah. That's really cool that's a and and that was one of my next questions is not on our list, but the um just the people who work with you in those programs, your social workers, I know Tom happens to be one, and I remember running into him years ago mm-hmm. uh at the admin building, and he just has such a heart for kids, a heart for like I said, for the Mesquite community. But can you talk about some of the work and innovation that that they bring to the table?
1: I tell people when I retire, my my claim to fame is I hired Tom Edwards to come to (laughs) Mesquite. Um, And at that point, I think it was my second year here, um, you know, I'd been working in Allen where I maybe had a handful of homeless students over the 12 years, and they were really, you know, hurricane evacuees that ended up in that area. Yeah. So when I came here, I knew we were doing things like getting the kids on free lunch and getting them a backpack and getting them clothes. And I got a call one day from an elementary school, and they said, Jennifer, we have a family here who slept in the tunnel slide on our playground last night. And it was raining, and their stuff was in a trash bag. And she said, what do what do we do to help them? And I thought, I I need help with this because a backpack and, you know, some school supplies aren't going to help this family. Mm -hmm. And so we hired Tom. And then over the course of the last six years, now have a social worker for each feeder pattern. And then this year, we also have a social worker who's directly supporting our foster care students. Because sometimes those students enroll with a lot deeper um, trauma than my family had to move in a motel. I'm still with my mom and dad. We're in a motel. But um, we really saw that need for foster care support. Um, And then just the counseling people we have over at the Family Support Center. So I feel like we really can provide deep systemic support for families with the ultimate goal of building their capacity so that this doesn't happen again. Um, And so many of the students will tell us, you know, I I don't want my kids to grow up this way. So they're doing things and making changes so that their lives are different.
0: I want to talk a little more about this family that spent the night in a tunnel slide. Because it's one thing to say you have a job where you have $200 million that you oversee to help people. Mm -hmm. I get it. I understand it. But it's a heck of a lot more clear when you tell me about a family that's sleeping in a a tunnel slide. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've got... A ton of stories like that.
1: We do. And I think sometimes families are afraid to bring that to the school. Um, if they're sleeping in a vehicle because they're afraid. If I tell somebody at this school, my kids and I are sleeping at Walmart in our car the school's going to tell them they can't go to school. And so the whole purpose and goal of the McKinney-Vento Act is to provide stability for students who are experiencing the loss of a permanent nighttime residence. So we want them to stay in the same school. Um, we have kids who are placed in shelters in Dallas. We had a student who was in a shelter in McKinney, um, and people say, well, why are they still coming to school to Mesquite, and you're you're having to send people and— um, and go get them every day because this is their home and this is their family. Yeah. And for a lot of our families who are experiencing homelessness, the parents graduated from a Mesquite school. And so whether it's from loss of income or loss of a job, um, we have families who have, have significant medical things happen where they lose their house because of these medical bills. Um, and we have students who, you know, our parents incarcerated and Somebody in the neighborhood kind of takes the student in. And so the awareness of the social workers, I think, has helped us really be able to identify students. And there's a comfort level where I'll meet the social worker and we can talk about what's going on. And then that social worker is kind of that liaison between the campus. So, you know, we want your kids here. We're going to we're going to make sure they get here every day. But we also want to support you so that um, we can get you the things you need to be able to, um, obtain your own housing someday. Yeah.
2: That's really cool. That, um, that was, you know, one question too on COVID. Have you seen a trend or a change like just in the last year or two? Cause we know we see the national trends mm-hmm. and of course we're, we're a part of that as well. Uh, but you know, when it comes to federal funding, have you seen things change just due to COVID?
1: I think We're seeing things this year, you you know, people will say, this year's got to be so much better than last year. I think this year is a lot harder in some ways because that newness and sort of survival piece of the initial piece of the pandemic is over. But now what we're seeing is the fallout from all of that. And so I think for some of our families and students, we're talking years it's going to take to kind of get back where they were. Um, So for some of our families who maybe were kind of barely hanging on when all of this happened, um, kind of the bottom just fell out. Our foster care numbers are up. Our homeless numbers are up. um, And the housing market is playing a big piece in that as well, because um, you can't find affordable housing. And so landlords, people who, whether it's an apartment or a, a private property, can be a lot pickier about who they're going to rent to. So for families who have maybe had an eviction in the past or trouble paying their utility bills, it's harder now to get that housing.
0: You mentioned your social workers actively seek out kids Mm -hmm. in these situations, which I don't want to say it surprised me. I didn't think about it. You're not a reactionary group. You're not waiting for people to come to you. You're going out to find people.
1: And we want to be, um, and the campus has helped with that tremendously. So a coach may notice Mm -hmm. that a student's kind of got the same clothes on three days in a row. Or the school nurses, when kids are coming in hungry every afternoon or asking for snacks to take home. So I think, you know, we want every campus staff member to be aware of what to look for. Um, and again, just that safety piece of it's okay um, that you don't have a place to stay tonight. Nobody's going to get in trouble. Um, four of my foster, or four of my social workers used to work for CPS. So when I'm talking to families and telling them, "Hey, I'm going to have our social worker give you a call." Oh, I don't want to get in trouble. I I don't want CPS to know. And so I have to really talk them through. This person is here to support you. Um, and because you're in your car, that doesn't mean you're a neglectful parent. So, well, I need to provide support for you so that we can get that fixed. And, um, a lot of our families don't have, you know, an, a form of ID. So we have to start there because they can't get food benefits until one of the social workers can go get them a driver's license, but they can't find their social security card. And so the social workers are very familiar faces at the social security administration and the driver's license bureau, because We have to help families with that piece, and then they, in turn, can go seek out resources as well.
2: Well, That's awesome. I I think there's so many things that that are done that I don't think everybody attributes to education Right. sometimes uh, that we're able to do through federal funds. Uh, One program I'm interested in, and I remember you talking about it years ago uh, and the excitement around it, is the Safe Landing program. That's federal-funded, too, as well, right? Yes,
1: Safe Landing is pretty cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So Mesquite High School is actually going to start it the spring semester, right, when we got ready to shut down because of COVID. Um, And they were going to house it in their library and just kind of a place for that middle school to high school student to go hang out after school. Um, We knew we needed to feed them dinner Mm -hmm. (laughs) because food's important if you want kids to come every day. Um, And so after the pandemic, you know, we were back open and school started. Um, The district had obtained a building right across from – mesquite high school and i see opportunity and i kind of put my foot in there and i said hey i know where we could put safe landing and so we had federal funds that allowed us to take that bank building and kind of change it into what is now safe landing so we have counseling rooms we have a big open area um i bought game systems and tv and it was interesting when kids started coming they wanted to play board games Tom's like, they're not even playing the video games. They want to play Monopoly because Mm -hmm. they've never done that. You know, their families just didn't play games. And so um, we have a grant with the city and the city actually reimburses us for the dinners we provide. Um, So as long as we're using locally owned Mesquite restaurants um, to feed the kids each night, then the city reimburses that. So um, I love I love that part of doing the federal grants, because if I see a need, then I can go look at available funding and see how we can maximize that. Yeah. So um, the program we have right now is Mesquite's Feeder Pattern Middle Schools and High Schools, um, and it's open four nights a week until 8, 8 o'clock p.m., and the kids want to come during Christmas. They want to come during yeah. spring break, um, and they've really taken ownership of that program. They clean up the building each night, and um, it's just neat. We just wrote another grant, so we're going to be expanding that hopefully awesome. um to the learning center and the yeah. academy kids in the spring,
2: so they'll get the other side of town. Yep. where kids can also walk and, and be there. That's and really it's cool.
1: such a simple thing. We have, we have counselors and teachers that work that program at night, so there's always a, a counselor available if yeah. kids need to kind of have that piece. Um, they get assistance with their homework. Um, we're trying to get a basketball goal put up. We have picnic tables outside. Um, And this year they've started, they do a community service project once a month. So they they kind of decide what they're going to do because they want to give back to the community that's supporting the program that they're involved in. So that's been fun.
0: You know, we mentioned off the top that we've been doing this podcast since August of 2020. This is episode 53. The LET committee was formed after George Floyd was killed in May of 2020. And it was formed to make sure that We as a district do our best to make sure all students have the opportunity to be the leaders they want to be, regardless of ethnic background, uh, cultural background, gender, religion, any of that. Mm -hmm. So over the past 16 months on this podcast, we've talked about things like implicit bias and white privilege, systemic racism, and other potentially uncomfortable topics. What I've learned from being a part of this podcast is that these issues are quite obvious if you're willing to read about them a little bit or Mm -hmm. talk to people about them. But these talking points have spark controversy, and I'm proud to be in a district where these discussions are encouraged and ongoing now with all that said, I'm curious to know whether these discussions have influenced or changed the way you approach your job when it comes to allocating federal funds around the district
1: I think what it's done I used to I used to say that federal funds kind of leveled the playing field for students mm-hmm. But I don't think that's enough, because if we level the playing field, we're just getting those those students, for whatever reason, who are at risk, where everybody else is. And we need to get them further. So when I look at the way we can innovatively use federal funds, because federal funds comes with lots of paperwork and lots of requirements, um, I think it allows us to take that group of students and not level the playing field but kind of give them a push start so that they're better equipped to go change their lives and their families' lives.
2: That's so true. I think knowing your heart for kids, um, that it really, you know, when you see how federal funds are implemented and and how it starts in that process, so much of it is about the counselor who identifies the student Mm -hmm. or the teacher, and then you guys being able to just innovate and say, hey, we're going to make a program because we have the means right? Uh, and I see y'all do that like for year after year, I guess I've been in this role what eight years now. So I've seen you do it for eight. I think mm-hmm. you've been in what, in Mesquite, what, 10? 13, 13. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that helps a lot to see, you know, how we use our funds to, to help kids get, get leveled up.
0: So 13 years here in Mesquite and what is your favorite program that you have?
1: It's like picking your favorite child. They're all special. Um, I really think probably Title IV because um, grants have such specific guidelines and things you can spend the money on and things that are unallowable. But Title IV really opened the door to get innovative about um, meeting the needs of students. And so I love when my phone rings and it's either a campus leader or a teacher or somebody from my own building. And they're like, Jennifer, we really need to, this needs to happen. Um, We need to do STEM camp for the kids in the summer. And when Russ called me, I said, I I can probably find a way to make that happen. And so um, I tell people they only call me when they want money. But I like that because it lets me go to that grant piece and provide You know, district funding is tight, and so the federal programs let us do those innovative things and reach those kids. Um, And it's fun to see that on the backside. You know, when you see the kids have completed something like that.
0: That's Jennifer Mobley, Director of Federal Programs and Family Support. Thanks for coming in and doing this. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you, Daniel, for uh, co-hosting, filling in for Ladonna. See it again. Yeah,
2: just for a day, but we're good. We're good. Anytime, you know.
0: All right, so if you've got, uh, if you're out there listening, got any comments, questions, suggestions, issues you want us to, to discuss, the best way to reach out to us is via email, Let's talk at letstalkatmesquiteisd.org, or you can kind of reach out to us via social media. Use the search term LetMISD to find us. Our next podcast will be January 11th. So until then, thanks for listening, and let's talk again next year.